Thank you, Josiah and the team. Wasn't that great? It's a little louder if I clap in this thing, so I won't do that again. Well, if we've not met, I'm, I'm Pastor Dan. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Grace Community Church, and we are continuing our second in the installment on the Holy Spirit series. Before I do that, I want to tell you something. Today is my 29th wedding anniversary. I may be on the couch tonight, but I absolutely have to ask my wife to stand. I just want you to give her a round of applause for putting up with me for 29 years. Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and I want to tell you, when I was a 23-year-old, I didn't really know what it took to be a happily married man and, and to pick the right woman. I wasn't smart enough, but God knew who the right person was for me, and unconscious. All I knew is I loved her, I thought she was beautiful, I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her, but God chose the right woman for me. 29 years later, we're still going strong. So thank you, Rach, for 29 years of wonderful companionship. All right, Holy Spirit. Did somebody say Holy Spirit? That's right, I just did. Holy Spirit, who is winning the war? We're going to talk about warfare today, but let's review. Last week, how many of you were here last week? Where were the rest of you? I mean, really. Okay, we'll let it slide this time. Last week, Pastor R talked about what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Out of Ephesians 5.18, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So that is our command, to be filled with the Spirit. We also learned last week that uh, the Holy Spirit is a counselor, a wise counselor that never leads us astray. He also is a teacher who teaches us what we need to understand from the Scripture. He teaches us the truth, and He reminds us. Anybody need reminded occasionally? He reminds us of the truth. He also advocates for us. It says in Scripture that if we are in such pain and anguish, we can't even articulate what we want God to do for us, that He goes to the Father and interprets our groanings. So He advocates for us with the Father. And he's also the spirit of truth. There are many spirits in this world. There's only one spirit of truth, and that's the Holy Spirit. Don't ever forget that. Now today we're going to take a look at the warfare that goes on here. So let's start with Romans 1.8. Freedom from condemnation. A very, very important verse because it establishes that those of us who have received Christ as our Savior are now free eternally from eternal condemnation. It says... Uh, now there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are a follower of Christ, you've accepted it in your heart. He has freed you from eternal damnation for your sins because that's what we have coming short of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And when you've received Christ, he, the Spirit comes in in that moment and indwells you and takes over the inside of you. Can I have my donut, please? Oh, look at that donut. It's actually not a donut. It's a diagram. But look at the inside there. The Spirit comes into us inhabits the inside of us. That's the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. But what's that uh, blue stuff there? Kind of orange and blue, kind of purple and blue or something. That's our flesh. That is what is left. That's the outside. And that's still with us too. When we, we come to Christ, we are not completely redeemed in that moment, are we? We still have the flesh. Amen? And that's the donut we have to live with. And that flesh wraps around us. Now, when you think of flesh, you may think about the flesh on your hands or your arms or the flesh of an animal, but when you, when you hear the word flesh, I want you to think our sinful nature. Because the flesh, as Paul refers to it in the scripture, is our sinful nature. It is what is left of the old man that is unredeemed and will stay with us until the day we die. That is our condition. Listen to this. This is about the battle here out of Romans 5, 14 to 25. 
Romans 5.14 says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. This is Paul speaking. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. You ever been there? You ever not understood why you're doing what you're doing? You're watching yourself doing it. You go, what am I thinking? Apostle Paul understands that. He says, for what I do, for, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Been there. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I, myself, who is doing it, but it is the sin living in me. That is the flesh that is still living in us. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. In other words, that, that blue ring back there, there's nothing good in that. There's nothing, nothing, hear me on this, nothing good left in our flesh. It is all bad. There is nothing redeeming spiritually. And you'll hear differently from the world and our culture around us. You're really okay. You're like, no, we're not. We're not good. Paul says it clearly. There's nothing good in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not, not the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me. That is the flesh living in me that does it. Do you see the war going on here? This is a man divided, just like we are. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have a desire to serve God and respond to the Spirit. And yet we find ourselves doing the wrong thing. We keep on doing it. Is that true? So Paul goes on here in verse 21 says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, that's that center of that donut there, being in my center of my, for in my inner being, rather, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And now he laments. Listen to what he says here. He says, what a wretched man I am. Do you get the flavor of that? He is crying out because of this incredible battle. They just can't win. He wants to do the right thing. He does the wrong thing. He knows he shouldn't do it. He does it anyway. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? Who will deliver me from this body that is subject to death? That flesh is subject to death. And then here's the wonderful solution we'll be looking at today. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's our deliverance, guys. Not from ourselves, but through God. From God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, so then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So he's got a problem, doesn't he? And you know what? You've got a problem. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you've got a battle that's going on inside you every day. There's a battle going on. There's a battle raging inside us every day, or at least it should be. Let's look at our conflict. Galatians 5, 16, first thing he says there, gives us the absolute solution. So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Hold on to that. Walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he highlights the conflict. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Let me read that to you in the New Living Translation, which I think highlights it. What I say is this, let the spirit direct your lives, and you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. For what our human nature wants is opposed to what the spirit wants, and what the spirit wants is opposed to what our human nature wants. These two are enemies. Do you get that? Enemies. You ever had an enemy? Yeah? No, you don't have any enemies. You guys are really nice people. No one's ever... Yeah, I'm talking about the, the, the North and the South in the Civil War. I'm talking about enemies here that hate each other and are opposed to each other completely. 
So he goes on here to say this, uh, those two are enemies, and this means that you cannot do what you want to do. If the Spirit leads you, then you are not subject to the law. What that's saying there, if the Spirit leads you, then you are fulfilling the law because the, the law of the Spirit will take you into love and kindness and all the fruits of the Spirit, and that fulfills the law, bypasses the law. You get that? But if I'm not led by the Spirit, then I'm subject to the law, and I'm going to fail every time. Every time. I will fail if I am walking in the flesh. Let me ask you guys, is there a war going on inside of you? You feel that? Or is it a skirmish and it's over before it started? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you, you need to have a war going on inside of you. Because that's the way it is. That's our condition. That's how it's made up. And if you don't have that war, number one, I'd say you better make sure that you're in the kingdom. Because that defines who we are. The guys I went to high school with, every time I go back to a high school reunion, they don't have this conflict. They've been following the flesh. No problem. Third wife, whatever, no problem. They're just motoring down that road because they don't have a conflict because they don't know God. They don't have the Spirit in them. There's no fight. There's no pushback. There's no change. But if you know God and He has dwelled in you, then there should be a fight. It should be a fight to the death. It's not just some little skirmish where I say, stop. No, no, you stop. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a full-on battle. It is on. Second option is you're not having that fight, you're not experiencing that. What it might mean is you've been so used to walking in the flesh and doing whatever the flesh told you that the Spirit doesn't talk to you anymore. How many parents in here? Ever feel like you're talking to yourself? Yes? I told you for the 4,000th time, turn out the light, flush the toilet, pick that up. You feel like you're talking to yourself because the kids don't listen and we don't listen. We don't read the word, we don't hear what God says and we just motor forward in the flesh and do those things until the Spirit, we can't hear them anymore. Right? And that's a major problem, guys. I want you to understand that because without the Spirit in our lives, without the Spirit indwelling us and us walking in the Spirit, you are doomed to spiritual failure. It is only the Spirit that can give us the power to make these changes. You cannot do it yourself. Do you get that? You are looking at somebody who has done postgraduate work in the John Wayne School of Rugged Individualism. My middle name is Me Do It. And the churches I grew up in said, do the right thing. But what, he forgot to tell me where to get the power to do the right thing. So I spent all these years doing it on myself. I can do this. I'll do better next time. No, I won't. I won't do that again. Yes, I will. Don't look so smug. We're all in the same boat, guys. I'm just telling you what the rules are. In our flesh dwells no good thing. I have no power within me to win the war against the flesh. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Goose egg. I have no power to do that. The Apostle Paul got this. He said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, the message, or my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. He understood what was making the changes. He got it. Do we get this? It's not you. It's not your good works. It's not your white knuckling and doing the right thing. It is the Spirit of God working through us. He does it all. Not some. He does it all. I want to be clear about that. So we need power. Holy Spirit power. It's the only way it works. We have to be plugged in. Plugged into the power. 
You guys probably heard this story before, but you ever bought a new computer and you couldn't figure out how to put it together, so you called the help desk? So some guy named Bob, who clearly was not Bob, calls you from a foreign country and you're talking to him, trying to figure out what's wrong with your computer. So this happened, and this lady bought this real expensive computer, top-of-the-line computer, and, and she was having problems with it, so she calls the helpline, and the guy on the other end is going through this thing, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Then he stops and goes, is it plugged in? Silence. She didn't plug it in. What are the chances of that expensive piece of micro-machinery working with no power? Zero. She just bought an expensive paperweight. Without the power, nothing happens. Not a little bit. Nothing happens. You have to be plugged into the power. We can't do it ourselves. Very important here. So what does a spirit-controlled life look like? Because when I hear the word filled, I want you to hear the word controlled or governed. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Does your sinful nature crave? You guys have cravings? Anybody ever wanted to go get ice cream at 2 o'clock in the morning? Ladies, when you're pregnant, was that pickle looking just calling to you? I've got to get a pickle. got to get a pickle. I don't know why pickles. Our, whole, our flesh craves things, craves things that are counter to the Spirit. It craves them, it wants them, wants to draw them in. And it's this, em, it's this emptiness and this, this black hole that we get into when we start to fulfill the cravings of our sinful nature. And they will control us. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be filled with wine, because that's debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, because whatever we're filled with will control us. Yes? Whatever you are filled with is in charge of you. It's taken over. When I was a senior in high school, my buddies, who I'd shared many memories over music, <clears throat> I was in a marching band and every other band I could get into, and we were close, we were tight. But my senior year, they discovered alcohol. And they decided to party and was what they wanted to do, and that was all they wanted to do. I felt like I was losing my friends. I didn't know these guys anymore. So for a few months, I would go to their parties with them. I was not at all interested in drinking or their lifestyle. But I went with them because I just wanted to see what, what was so fascinating about drinking. But these guys would drink, and they'd be filled with alcohol, and they would say and do the dumbest stuff you've ever seen in your life. You ever been around drunk people? They act like morons. They had an IQ in the single digits, and they'd slobber on you, and they'd say, I love you, man, and they'd pick fights with their girlfriend and say stupid stuff because they were controlled by the alcohol. They were filled with it. They were controlled by it. taken over them. And then the next morning in homeroom, that Monday morning in homeroom, I got to tell them all the stupid stuff they did because I was the only sober one there. But hear me when I say whatever you are filled with, you will be controlled by. So my question is this. What are you filled with? You've got to be filled with something. We're taking in something, aren't we? How about TV? 152 channels and nothing on. Talk about spiritual junk food. Are you taking that in? Is that what you're internalizing? You're going to be controlled by it. Taking in advertisements, the latest and greatest machinery you have to have, the latest computer, iPad, whatever, that's what you're going to be filled with. That's what's going to control you, that desire to have the greatest and latest stuff. How about envy? You ever been controlled and filled up with envy of somebody, somebody you really can't stand, you're envious of them, you want what they want, that's going to control you, isn't it? Because every time they walk in a room, you're going, oh. How about if you're angry with somebody? 
How about if you have a grudge against somebody and that's what's filled you up, can you forget about them? Uh-uh. In fact, as soon as their image comes to your head, you go, oh. Because you're filled with anger and you're being controlled by that anger. How about lust? How about sexual lust? Will that not fill us up and control us? It will. So whatever you are filled with is what will control you. God's saying be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not alcohol, not lust, not materialism, not sex, none of those things. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How about a mindset? Anybody in here play sports? Yeah? It's okay. You play sports. I don't play them anymore. I'm way, I'm way past that. But it's interesting when you start talking about your days when you played athletics, they just get more and more amazing, you know. Yeah, just, the story gets bigger and bigger, and pretty soon we were champions of the world. We weren't. But we had a pretty good basketball team, and I can remember when we would go out onto that floor out of the locker room, we had a mindset to win. We had our game faces on. We were focused. We knew our plays. We knew what the plan was. We knew who our opponents were. We were going to win that game. We didn't care what was going on in the stands. We had a mindset on winning that game. That's what it says here in Romans 8, 5. Is those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. That's their mindset. That's what they're focused on. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. You see the difference there? What is your mindset? What is your mindset on? What is the object of your mindset? It's got to be something. It can't be nothing. Is your mindset on the fulfilling the desires of the flesh? Or walking in the Spirit and wanting what the Spirit wants you to have? Those are the only two choices we got, guys. There's no good third option here. Those are our choices. The mindset on the flesh leads to death. Death of our relationships death of our relationship with God, disconnect, physical and personal destruction. I regret to tell you there's been many times I work with folks and they are just bent on following the flesh and it ends in complete and total disaster. Ruin. God's given us rules and we break them and they end up in disaster because we follow the flesh instead of the spirit and I can tell you right where it goes. Let me finish this grocery list. Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild party, and yada yada. Now before we just are... are uh, um, halos a little bit here. Let's just take a look at that list again, can we? Anybody had a quarrel, let's say, last two weeks with someone in your family? Yeah? Thank you. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you? Quarreling. We do it, don't we? How about idolatry? There's a big ticket item. What is idolatry? It's when I elevate anything above my love for Jesus Christ. Anything. That covers a lot of territory. There's a lot of things we can put in front of Christ, can't we? Our stuff, our money. Yeah, and by the way, after this last week, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah? Or buy gold or something. We can put anything, we can elevate anything. We can take our relationships and worship them instead of God. We can worship security, trying to get that elusive security so we can be guaranteed we're not going to suffer in this life. Good luck with that, too. There's a lot of things we can put out in front of God, and it's all idolatry, and it's on this list, isn't it? 
How about envy? Anybody ever envied somebody? Your neighbor? I got a confession for you. My neighbors have three BMWs. Yeah. I don't have a BMW. I like their cars. I don't want their payments, but I like their cars. So yes, I am a little envious at times when they come rolling in the driveway in a sweet BMW. Envy, jealousy, selfish ambition. How about that one, guys? Anybody ever wanted something because you wanted it, whether it was good for you or not, or whether God even wanted it for you? That's selfish ambition. We do this stuff, but it's all about the flesh, and it leads to destruction. Hear me that. Personal destruction, and ultimately physical destruction. He finishes the verse here. He says, let me tell you again, as I had before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your lifestyle, if this is the way you live your life, you need to ask yourself, am I a child of God? Because that's what the flesh does. And they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, don't misunderstand me. We all, as believers, struggle with the flesh. Guarantee it. Remember the war earlier? Remember my donut? Okay, the difference is there's a fight there, and I'm aware of it. I want you to be aware of it. Sometimes I think we get so, so immersed in the, in the ways of the flesh, we don't even know it's the flesh. We just think it's the way it is. It's normal. It's just the way I am. Well, guess what? God says it's not good. He says you need to change. You need to walk in the Spirit. The flesh is all about the self. Is that true? If you want to boil it all down, every, that whole list, the flesh is about me, my ego, what I want. Not what's good for you, what I want. It's all about me, and that leads to pride, it leads to lust, it leads to materialism, into pleasure-seeking. We live in a culture that wants pleasure, don't they? You get it from drugs, they get it from alcohol, you get a lot of things, but they want to feel good. They search that, and that's all about the flesh. Romans 8, 6 says this, The mind governed by the flesh is death. We just covered that. But, but, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Doesn't that sound good? Would you like peace? Would you like to have peace? That would be good. You know, my daughter and my 10-year-old had friends over the weekend. I think 20 of them. There's actually only three. It just seemed like 20. There was no place in my house that they either were or I could tell they'd been. There was no peace in my house. I'd go here, and they were there. And I'd go over here, and they were there again. And I'd go in my bedroom, and they were there, there. And I'd go get in the bathroom. Someone's in the bathroom. There was no peace in my house, but I have a secret. I have a bunker in the basement. I have my study. Yeah, where I can get peace. I went down here, close the door, get some peace. I got to control the remote. <laughs> I got peace, and that was such a good feeling peaceful around me. Don't you wish for that? That's the result of walking in the Spirit. Because, see, if you walk in the flesh, you're going to have conflict every day. There's going to be that grinding of the gears when the Spirit and the flesh collide. And you didn't know better. And the Spirit says, you don't do that, and you do it anyway. There's going to be this conflict. And he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you have life and peace. Eternal life and peace. Doesn't that sound good? So how does this happen, Dan? How do we get... Filled with the Spirit. Well, let me make it clear here. It's an active, intentional process. Does anybody know what a default is? What's a default? Do you know what that is? It's okay. Anybody home? What's that? That's right. That's right. He's got it. He said, if you do nothing, this is what's going to happen. My computer has defaults. If I don't go in and change something, that's the way they set up. It's the way it's going to run. And in a spiritual life, the default is the flesh. 
If you do nothing to engage the Spirit and to be filled by the Spirit, you will get the flesh. That's the default. That's the body I'm living in. That's our condition. Remember the donut? The flesh is there. There's an active process we have to engage in if you want to be filled by the Spirit. You just can't stand around and wait for it to hit you. The verb there is, it gives the connotation of being continually filled, not just once. How many of you drove here today? The rest of you walk? We own vehicles, motor vehicles, right? What do they run on? Gasoline, petrochemicals, right? Warming up the planet, all that. We have to have gas. Your car has to have gas. I drive a Suburban. It gets 14 miles a gallon downhill with a tailwind. I get 14 miles a gallon. Yeah. So I go by sheets pretty frequently because I can't stand the anguish of watching what it is I actually fill it up. I see a grown man cry, look at that, go, no, it can't be that much. Must be a leak in my tank. But I have to fill that vehicle up about every four or five days or I'm walking. We must be filled by the Spirit on a regular basis or here comes the default, right? What do you see there? All right, get this. It's actually a shell truck. I see the sheets trucks all the time, you know. The one that says, I double dog dare you to drink something. Anyway, which one's you? You're the front end there, right? Okay? And the tank behind you is the Holy Spirit. So I'm going down the road, and I see this tanker truck stop by the road, and the guy flags me down, and I stop, and he says to me, can you really help me? I just ran out of gas. And I say to him, dude, look behind you. You've got 9,000 gallons of high-octane fuel. Why don't you fill your truck up and keep on driving? And we think, man, what's wrong with this guy? But we do the exact same thing. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. It has all the power in the universe, and we just let it run dry, and we stop, and now we're walking, and it's all right there. Get filled up. The Spirit's right there. Fill up. We've got to do that. So let me ask you guys, do you want to be filled by the Spirit? Do you really? You say you do. Is everybody? Got, yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. Really? When I was in college, I was getting ready to head out to California for my doctoral program, and I was asking some of my favorite professors, go, what's it take to get through graduate school? Because they'd all gotten their graduate degrees, and they're going, man, I don't know if I got what it takes. And I remember, as though it were yesterday, one of them said to me, you just got to want it real bad. You just got to want it real bad. And I never forgot that. And there were times in my program when I wasn't sure how badly I wanted it. I had to dig deep and said, I really want it that bad. And I kept on going and completed the course. But I had to want it that bad. I had to want it. How bad do you want it? You can say you want it, but how bad do you want it? What are you willing to do to get it? I was willing to sacrifice a lot. I sacrificed my 20s for my graduate degrees. Gone. Poof. That's how bad I wanted it. How bad do you want to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Next question. When's the last time you asked to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Because remember, we agreed that it was a default that we're going to walk in the flesh unless we ask to be filled, right? We have to do something. Then we have to do it regularly. How often do you fill your car up? How often do we need to be filled up by the Spirit? I'm here to tell you every day. Because you know, by the time I get done with a day, man, I've worn the Spirit out. I need another filling. I need more. I'm out of gas. We need to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit, which means I've got to ask every morning for God to control me. You want to see how that works? You guys ready for this? This is not a dance step. Here's how you get filled with the Holy Spirit in the morning. What did I just do? I got out of the way. 
That's what we have to do. You've got to get out of the way because you are the one standing between God and His filling you with the Holy Spirit. It's you. It's that self. It's that part of us that wants to do it myself. That's that John Wayne stuff. I'll take care of this, Lord. Take the day off. I got this one covered. Do you now? I say you don't. We need this daily. Do you surrender each day? We need to do this. You don't know what's going to happen that day, do you? When you get up in the morning, you know what's going to happen? Nope. You're going to need that spirit worse than you could even imagine on some days. You need to get filled with the spirit early and often. Anybody heard the saying, the proof is in the pudding? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I like pudding, but I have no idea what it means. Actually, it's interesting. After the last service, Bob Koss stopped me. Bob's a big, he's a techie. He's a, he's a tech guy. So he pulled it up on his iPod because I said, I don't know what it means. So he pulls, he Googles it on his iPod and then in the hall back there, he shows me what it means. And actually, it's a shortened version. What it means is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. But we shortened it up to say the proof, of the, the proof is in the pudding. So I got enlightened there. It made more sense that way. But the proof of the Spirit is not in the pudding. The proof is in the fruit. If I followed you around for a couple weeks, what kind of fruit would I see falling off your tree? Because you're a tree. Listen to this. Matthew 12, 33 says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You're not going to see a cherry tree dropping apples. You're not going to see a lemon tree dropping blueberries. The trees are known by their fruit. What is your fruit? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? With a bunch of rotten stuff, because listen to this, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that the fruit coming out of your life? Would you mind if I walked around after you for a couple weeks and just kind of had a checklist of fruit? And, ooh, that, that, ooh, that, I don't know, ooh. Patience. Is that hard? Anybody had a problem with patience? That is a huge one for me. I'm a very impatient person. It should have been done yesterday. That's my, it's built into me somewhere, I don't know. That's something the Spirit's working. Be patient. Be kind. Be gentle. This is the work He wants to do in our lives. And we need to let Him do it. Because that is what shows us that the Spirit is working. What does your fruit look like? All right, got some scenarios for you. You want to take a little test? See how you're doing? Don't be staring at me. As a matter of fact, no. <laughs> We're going to do it anyway. And there's only two answers, flesh and spirit. You ready? I am harsh and critical to my family. Flesh, spirit. Flesh? Okay. I'm biting my tongue before saying something unkind to you. Spirit. I'm using universal sign language on 270. Is that a flesh? Right. Good answer. Not that we've ever done that. This is for you teenagers. Accidentally forgetting to mention to your parents that the, your friend's parents are not home before you ask permission to go there. Hmm. What's that? Flesh. Thing. Thank you. That's the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, we heard that. Next one here, starting a spiritual conversation with your coworker. That's spirit work right there. That's hard. You need some power for that. 
Number six, someone told me a juicy story, and I repeated it to my neighbor. Mmm, yeah. Here's one for you parents. My kids went to practice faithfully, and the coach never played them, and every time I see them in public, I go, Arr. That's a flash, okay. Here's one that fits in the summer. I'm at the beach, and there are shapely bodies going past me, and I focus on my book. That's the spirit at work, right? One more. I'm a parent, and I'm worried about my kids and their decisions, and I pray for God to relieve me from the worry and anxiety and to take care of my kids. Spirit. Wow. Wow. Parents, we live there, don't we? What I'm saying to you guys is every day you will have choices as to whether you're going to walk in the flesh or you're going to walk in the spirit. You can't get away from this conflict. The question is, whose spirit are you going to follow? The spirit of the flesh, which leads to death, destruction, or the spirit of God, which leads to life and peace? That's the choice we got. There's no other choices. And that's going to go on until you croak. You hear me? We don't get there where we're just going with the Spirit all the time because we've arrived. It ain't happening. You talk to anyone who's been in a, a Christian for years and years, they'll tell you, I'm still fighting. I'm still dealing with stuff. I'm still having to make decisions, and I still lose sometimes. But you've got to understand the fight. Are you in the battle? Do you even know what's going on? If you don't know what's going on, you're losing, right? If you don't know what's happening, you're done. You're not showing up. You're not there. You don't even know that you need the Spirit. And some of us live our lives that way. And that's not what God wants us to do. All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you need to do some business with God around the Holy Spirit, I'd invite you down here today. We get the praise band back up here. We'd like to give you an opportunity to come down here. If you need to commit to God that you want to walk in the Spirit, and you're going to daily ask Him, and you're going to stand aside, and you're going to ask for a filling of the Spirit, and you're going to choose to ask for that Spirit every day and to go with that Spirit so you can have the fruits of the Spirit, I want you to come down here and pray. There'll be someone here to pray with you if you want that. But some of us need to get serious, and some of us need to ask ourselves, if I'm not having a conflict, why is that? If there's not a battle going on in you, that, that makes me wonder if there's two sides in you. Because remember, my buddies from high school, they don't have this conflict. They're cruising in the flesh. They're good. But if you're a follower of Christ, there should be a conflict there. There should be a war going on inside of you every day. And if that's not there, you need to find out why. Maybe you're just so used to going with the flesh. Spirit's done talking to you. Can't hear him anymore. Too busy doing the flesh thing. So I invite you down as the band plays. If you need some prayer, or you need an opportunity to do some business with God, now's your opportunity. Please go ahead and stand with us.